Hello and welcome to the second pre-season episode of the Championship Roundtable. I am your host, Jake Jackman. Uh, you could get my Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's and you can reach us at the show by emailing us at championshiproundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Paul Binning, uh, the Exiled Robin, Bristol City blogger, uh, named Exiled Robin, so I exiled the other side of Seven Bridge in Cardiff. Evening, guys. I'm uh, Ben Warmanger, blogger for Norwich City Blog, uh, blogger for a few sites, bit for 44 Tweet, and currently doing some projects on my uh, the Yellow Twitter site. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Andrew Beck. I'm the editor of Cottagers Confidential for SB Nation. Um, I'm a Fulham fan, and you can find me on Twitter at arbeck. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. We will start with making the rounds where each of us will have a few minutes to discuss what's been going on at our clubs this week. So we'll start with you, Paul. Uh, what has been happening at Ashley Gate over the summer? Um, what sort of transfers and pre-season, uh, you know, what, what sort of things have been going on? Yeah, it's been a very busy summer for Bristol City. Um, from a position last year where this time last year we made one summer signing and, and that was the situation right to the end of August and it left our squad Really short. The new boss Lee Johnson's had a very active summer. Brought uh, in new players, some of the under-21 squad, some notable first-team contenders: Tom Lynn, Gary O'Neill, um, Callum O'Dowder from Oxford, a million-pound youngster, um, an Icelandic centre-half from Juventus, and a goalkeeper from Bayern Munich. So uh, certainly not the sort of transfers in we've been used to over the years. But clearly a big season for the club. Uh, you may have seen television and back with our stadium. So. The last two years, we only have three sides to the stadium. Um, it's not complete. Um, fingers crossed, the whole thing's going to be open on the, uh, on the opening day on Saturday, and that suddenly gives us a, a 28,000 capacity. But we've got to fill, and you know, having been in a position where we averaged 50,000 last year, it's a really big season for us to make sure we we press on, we have a bit of success, and, and get the crowd flocking into Ashton Gate. But no, I think in the main, everyone's it's a very very positive outlook. Ashton Gate, everyone's happy with the signings. I think we still probably need a couple more. Um, just to complete the squad a little bit more, we're a little bit, little bit threadbare in certain positions once you get past the first sort of 11, 12 players. Um, but in the main, really, you know, a positive upward trend to, to life again, and everyone's looking forward very much to a new season. Yeah, I've got a question about Jonathan Codger. I think he's been linked away uh, with uh, Tass and Villa. Do you think that he's going to stay at the club, and do you think that he is sort of a player that you need to keep for the season ahead? Uh, I think that's yeah, it's a big unknown. I mean, we've we've seen rumours of bids. Um, everything I've seen official from the likes of Pat Murphy at the BBC and and certainly obviously our club said no bids been received. There's been the odd phone call as you probably get with most players around the summer. But he, I mean, he was, he was a big player for us last year. He scored 20 goals. We signed him from from League Two in France. They really plucked him out of nowhere. And he's very raw, and he remains very raw. Um, he scored 20 goals. Be totally honest, he easily could have scored 40 the amount of chances he missed when he was through one-on-one and, and some some really uh, straightforward opportunity. Can he do that again in his second season? I think it's a really big question and we, we certainly hope he can if he stays with us. But I think also most fans will probably be of the opinion if we get a bid anywhere approaching 10 for him to be the going rate for a 20-goal-a-season striker. But I think most would probably choose to take the money and run and reinvest it in, in two or three players in the squad. Yeah, we'll just move on to you now, Ben. Uh, just talk us through the changes that Norwich have made uh, since being relegated uh, from the Premier League and just how confident you are about the season ahead. Well, really, there's not been too many wholesale changes. We've gone down with and looked like we're going to start with pretty much the squad that we went down with, bar Nathan Redmond, his transfer to uh, 
Southampton, which as a Norwich player, we always thought we were going to see a little bit more of him, to be honest. Um, sort of in the championship was bags of potential running at players and uh, I think it's a bit split whether Norwich to see him go. I'm happy to see uh, 11 or £12 million pounds come in for him. Um, the only big changes this summer is we lost our CEO, David Manali, who we had um, since we were relegated to League One a few years ago and he's uh, taken us from about 20 million in debt to in the red and a few seasons in the Premiership becoming a bit of a yo-yo club but uh, player-wise we've brought in Michael McGovern um, the Irish keeper from Hamilton who uh, Alex Neil knows pretty well having been the manager up there with him um, I think he'll be in contention for a starting spot with uh, John Ruddy uh, the other player we brought in was Sergi Canos uh, from Liverpool youngster was at Brentford last season done fairly well at Brentford I think and I think there's a few clubs sniffing around him I think Bristol City were keen on him and had a bid in uh, accepted the same as Norwich uh, he's come in looked quite tidy pre-season um, apart from that there's not much happening. there's been a few departures but uh, no uh, departures what I'd call sort of star names heading out of the club that too many Norwich fans are going to worry about definitely a light on the striker situation at the minute. Uh, supposedly Ross McCormack coming this way, but we've seen it a million times with uh, players speculated and bids supposedly accepted. And uh, we have to wait and see on that one. But Norwich definitely need a probably two centre forwards. Um, and then I'd say we're close to ready to go for the season as long as there's no more major departures. Yeah, my view on Norwich last year was that that. Alex Neil rotated a lot and he sort of didn't know what his best team was. Do you reckon that he's better suited to managing in the Championship as opposed to the Premier League where I thought he was maybe caught out a bit at times? I think that he definitely struggled last season to decide what his best team was. I think the problem was that we didn't go on enough of any time in the season really have an extended run of um, good results where he could hold down a, a team. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens in the Championship. Like I say, he's had a good record there for us in the little time that he did spend there. Um, but last year he did... He did rotate quite a lot and I know a lot of fans were getting quite disgruntled with his rotation of the team and some of the selections that he was making. Um, Our East centre-backs and uh, strikers mainly. <laughs> and playing players out of position was a big thing that a lot of Norwich fans were a little bit disgruntled about. But I don't think there's many fans that want to see him go after relegation. They saw enough of a fight about Norwich last year to say, all right, we'll give him another go. We think he's young. He's an upcoming manager and he's uh, got the risk there at Norwich they've got money to spend I mean they're talking about McCormack for 12 million so he's got a little bit of money there to spend and they're obviously not selling players like Tim Closer uh, top quality back and they're trying their best to keep hold of him Brady's not gone anywhere yet um, although he hasn't been featured in pre-season so I wouldn't be surprised to see him go um, so yeah all in all I think Norwich fans are pretty happy with Neil but um, we'll have to wait and see if his rotation continues this season this is now uh, Fulham's third season in the uh, Championship, and we talked a bit last week about the, the strength of the league as a whole. Where do you think Ful- Fulham are in that? Because um, obviously you've had parachute payments, but now with more clubs coming down from the uh, Premier League with, with a lot more money due to the TV deal, do you think that maybe Fulham have sort of dropped off the Premier League and are now sort of a mid-table club in the division, or do you think that this year you, you can challenge for the top spots again? I, I think they have a chance to challenge for the top six. Um from what I watched watching the championship, there's not really a whole lot of difference between the mid-table and the top, and it seems to be very, very fluid. 
I didn't grow up watching the championship, obviously, because it's very, very hard to watch in the United States. But, I mean, that's the way it seems. It seems like every year some team who was at the bottom jumps up and challenges from a playoff spot. So I don't think it's impossible. Uh, Fulham do have a slight advantage just being in London. Um, they can charge higher ticket prices. Uh, they are they can often get more people out to the stadium and players obviously like living in London. So it's easier to recruit. So that's a little bit of a help. Um, I would not be shocked to see them finish, you know, fighting for the top six, knowing full of them, they'll probably um, end up in seventh on the last day of the season, because that's just what they like to do to me. But um, I, I would be, I would be shocked if they're in a relegation fight again this year. Yeah, in, in terms of uh, Newcastle, uh, I spoke a lot about the summer last week, but uh, this week there's been a few more things going on. We, we've uh, finished our preseason. We uh, finished unbeaten and we scored quite a few goals, which is quite promising. Uh, at the weekend, we played Vitesse Arnhem, who, uh, who played in the Dutch league, and we played really well in the first half, Got, got went up 3-0, and then we got clawed back to 3-2 in the second half, which was disappointing. Both goals coming from set pieces, and I think that's an area that we could be susceptible uh, from this season, especially with uh, some of the teams in, in the Championship may, maybe uh, better at set pieces than they are in the Premier League. It's not really a strategy that is used that well in the Premier League outside Tony Pulis and Sam Allardyce's side, so I think that is definitely an issue we're going to have this season. Uh, in terms of trans, there's still a lot of transfer activity going on at the club. Um, Musa Sissoko is expected to leave. He's, he's likely to go f- to Real Madrid by all accounts, which is incredible because he is not a very good player from what I've seen. He's been at the club for, I think, three and a half years and he is really not a very good player. So I, I can't believe he's going to Real Madrid. And, and by all accounts, it looks like we're going to get somewhere around the 30 million mark, which again, is just incredible. He, he's, he's, he was an attacking midfielder for us last season. He got one goal. So that, that shows all you, all you need to know about Musa Sissoko. So that is going to be a very good deal for us and it gives us a bit of money to spend uh, bringing in players uh, who want to be at the club, which I think is important. And from our recruitment so far, we've bringing in proven championship players and players that are going to do well this year and they're capable of pushing on in the Premier League. If we do go up, uh, I know we're, we're massive favourites for the league, which is a concern to me because I, I, I don't think we're that much better than a lot of the clubs in the division. I think it's a very tight division this year and it's gonna be, uh, there's going to be a lot of teams fighting for those top six places and it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very, very interesting to watch. So I, I just hope that we, we can get one of those spots. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if we, if we had to go through a playoff place, to be honest, because I'm very scared about the, the, the threats of the league because, of course, there's Norwich and Aston Villa as well and Derby look good, Brighton look good and they're not looking like they're selling any players. So it's, it's going to be a very tough division. And it, even Bristol City and Fulham... Uh, You've talked about them already. I think there's a lot of players in those squads that look good, and I just and they've both got two young managers in charge, and it could they both could do something this season. So I'm a little bit worried about that. In terms of incomings, we've been linked to Anthony Knockart. I think we had a eight million bid turned down from Brighton, which I, I think he'd be a very good player. I saw him quite a lot last season. I think he's very good in the Championship, and he would be a really good uh, right winger for us with uh, Matt Ritchie on the left. So I think if we managed to get that deal done, I'd be very happy. But Brighton won't want to sell to Newcastle because we're we're going to be challenging with them in, in the top six. So I think it's going to be a tough deal to do, and we might have to spend a lot of that thirty million we're getting on on him. We might have to go as high as twelve or maybe fifteen million, and I don't know if the club will do that for somebody like Knockout, who, who's never really done it outside the Championship. So that'll be interesting. But I think we're going to bring in three or five more, and I, we're quite well prepared for that first first game against Fulham on Friday. 
we've, we still haven't announced our captain, which is a little bit worrying, but by all accounts, it looks like it's going to be Jamal LaSales, who did very well last season under Benitez after, after he took over. And I think he, he's very vocal. He organized as well. He's young and he's sort of a player we can look to build on for the future. So I think that would be a really interesting appointment. I'm not totally convinced by it, but I think he's, he's going to do a very good job. Uh, and, we we do have a problem at the right wing area, which is why we're going for Knockhart because we have been playing Vernon and Ita there in preseason, who is by all accounts a centre defensive midfielder. So if we go forward with him at the right wing spot, that's going to be a worry and maybe a something that Fulham can look to take advantage of uh, on Friday because he's he's not a, he's not a winger by any any measure. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with that. Um, just moving on to the topics for today, I'm just going to ask each of you is how well prepared your club are for the season. Are there any concerns that you want to be addressed either in the transfer window or on the training ground? Um, we'll start with you, Paul. How, how's, um, how confident are you about the season and are there any areas that you want Bristol City to improve on? Yeah, I think as I said earlier, I think fairly confident. Um, as Andrew said earlier, I think you always see some of the teams who struggled maybe a bit last season come through and you make half a dozen signings in the summer and if they gel quickly and you get a few wins early on, I think the confidence can flow. And certainly I know we were we were bottom of the league in January and the form we had since the middle of January actually put us in a top six position. So I don't think anyone's getting carried away quite to that level and thinking we're gonna gonna be up in the playoffs. You've just mentioned five or six teams who are I think far better equipped than we are to be in that position. But you never know. And I think you can keep it tight. I think that's really key, Mr. Vision. I think people get carried away with the likes of Ross McCormack and you know, the goals you might get up front and whatever. And it's obviously important. But again, as Andrew indicated, if you concede goals, you're going to be down the bottom. And that's the same in any league. And I do think sometimes people in this division have sort of gone for the big strikes to try and get the goals to get you up. And you've got to keep it tight. Burnley kept it so tight last year. Middlesbrough kept it tight. And the teams that go up generally, generally do that. I think in that since that's probably one of the key areas we we maybe look, look a little bit weak still we've got a fairly f- solid first choice back four um still one or two doubts maybe around the pace but adding adam matthews at right back and, and scott goldborn we added in january at left back two solid performers there both both of a good age still both both got a lot of experience at this level so we've signed this chap who I haven't seen play yet from uh, Juventus and he's landing internationally. He looks like he's going to be on in the first team. So hopefully he can settle in quickly. But again, you never really know how these, these guys are going to come in and, and, and play immediately. I think our main concern really is going forward. I think going, goals are pretty sparse. I talked about Kodja earlier, scored 20 goals last year. Apart from that, I don't think, I can't remember from memory, anyone got anywhere near double figures. I think Tom Lynn and, and Adam Aidan Flint got seven or eight each really struggling to see who else is going to get those goals and it'll be interesting to see how Lee Johnson sets us up this year to try and make us a bit more flowing without conceding the goals that we did last year whenever we tried to go a bit more flowing and it never really worked properly for us last year so really interesting to see how that sets up there were some positive signs last spring um, some good big wins at times and if we can carry that sort of form forward then I say you never know but I think like a lot of teams that aren't in that the big six or eight, as I, I sort of can see in the league. Sounds a real cliche, but we've got to get to 50 points first. Get there. Get there as early as possible. See what you can do and how you can press on. 
one of the concerns I think I have as a relegated team is that there's so many unknowns in this division. I'm not really, I don't really know a lot about the clubs uh, like Bristol City. I don't think we've we've really played them in competition that much before, and uh, mm. especially Burton as well. I, like I, I don't know what they're going to bring, and I don't think they're going to be as easy pushovers as people expect them to be. So it's, it's sort of the unknowns I'm concerned about. And again, we, we're coming in on coming in with a losing mentality we lost a lot of games last year as did Norwich is, is that something that worries you Ben sort of the the losing mentality that you might bring over and if you lose two, two or three of your first five games and that that could sort of take hold yeah it really could and we've seen that in the past I mean we got relegated from the premiership and then got relegated consecutively down to league one and uh, that's what set about wholesale changes in our in our board and the way the club was run um at the minute, the is quite optimistic, but um, I was optimistic the season we got relegated and relegated once again down to League One. So um, <laughs> I hope my optimism's not misplaced. But um, there's a good core of young players coming through the squad. Um, there's a good creativity from midfield. Like I say, we've really only got one striker who's scoring goals for us, and that's Cameron Jerome, and that's an issue that they hopefully will address this week. But um, a lot of Norwich fans getting worried because it's not been addressed until now and it's obviously only now six days to the start of the season for us. Um, the other concern would be perhaps defensive midfield. We let Gary O'Neill um, go to Bristol City and we've got um, Alex Tetty as our first choice, we say defensive midfielder. Um, and we've also got Yusuf Malumbo sitting there, but he was uh, not really favoured by uh, Alex Neal last season. And there's some reports coming out this week that he might be off to Marseille. So if he goes, it will really leave us a, a little bit short in the defensive midfield and with an abundance of attacking midfields. I mean, we put uh, James Madison in in January from Coventry and sent him back to Coventry on loan. Um, he's come in in a deal which supposedly could be worth up to eight or nine million pounds with all the add-ons over the, over the I think it's three years that he's here. Um, so they're obviously expecting a lot from James Madison, probably to step in and take Wes Houlihan's uh, position eventually, I would suggest. And also the Murphy twins for Norwich have come back from Coventry and Milton Keynes um, with a lot of uh, a lot of uh, energy and uh, looking like first team players now. I mean, they've come back and scored, I think, three or four goals. Uh, Josh, Josh Murphy or Jacob Murphy and Josh Murphy's chipped in with a couple in pre-season and they're looking like real contenders I mean the, with Canos only 19 there's a lot of youth within the squad now um, I think with a big solid centre-back in Tim Closer he will either probably be paired with uh, Sebastian Bassong who's not a lot of fans favourite defender uh, was a bit of a liability for us last season to be honest but dropping back down to the championship he wasn't so bad for us there um the season before so it'll be either him or Ryan Bennett at the back so I know there's quite a few Norwich fans that quite like a new centre-back as well to pair with Tim Closer who's been a real hit even though he only I think he only played about eight games last season before he got injured he showed enough in them eight games and he's come out and said all the right things uh, about staying with Norwich City um, I actually done an interview with him this week for my uh, blog and he's come out and saying all, all the right things that a Norwich fan wants fans want to hear and uh I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, become Norwich captain this season, uh, play with Champions League experience, uh, won the German Cup the season before he came to us, and uh, captained Wolfsburg for a bit. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be the Norwich captain. Uh, like I say, the only concerns really is bringing in another, another forward. We're a little, little bit light. We've got Carlton Morris, he's a player that's come through the ranks, and we've got Carl Lafferty, but he 
unfortunately for Norwich, can't seem to recreate any of that form he gets when he pulls on an island shirt. And uh, he seems to struggle in the in the league. He went out to Birmingham, I believe it was Birmingham last year, and he didn't really get a game for them either. So um, there's something perhaps in training or <laughs> somewhere along the line that he just can't cre- recreate that island form uh, in a club shirt. But so all in all, if we can pick up one striker, one quality striker, but well, I think we really need two strikers and then we'll be set for the season. I think most clubs at this sort of time of the year will be thinking that uh, players coming in is something that they want to see and they probably see weaknesses in their squad. So I think that's that's a valid point, especially uh, where where Norwich have only have Cameron Jerome, I think, striking uh, areas, probably where they need to strengthen. I think Ross McCormack would go a long way to do, uh, to do that. But um, I'll just come to you now, Andrew. Um, I've been following Fulham this preseason quite a lot, obviously, where, where we're playing each other on the first day. And uh, at the weekend, you had a good win over Crystal Palace, which I think is going to just send the morale uh, through the roof so I think Fulham are in a quite a good place from what I could say and it's only really the McCormack situation that could be sort of muddying the waters uh, yeah they're, they're in a good position um, the, the interesting thing is they've had a good preseason and McCormack really hasn't played at all he the last time he played he was substituted out about halftime and that was July 9th so he hasn't played any preseason games since then so the team has it seemed been making an effort to learn to play without him but, and I think they're probably waiting on the last three or four transfers until his um, his move out is finalized and they'll actually have the money in hand and know how much they have to spend um, going into the first game the one really worrying thing about Fulham right now is that they're starting right back uh, Ryan Fredericks picked up an injury and he's going to be out probably about 10 weeks and normally that's not a huge problem but I would say that their backup right back is also their starting left back so they can either um, move Tom Callis over to right back which he's played a lot of but he's their starting center back so you're either going to have a starting moving one of your starting center backs and you're going to bring in a backup um, one of your backup center backs to play who none of the backup center backs at Fulham played very well at all last year. The other thing you could do is leave Dennis Adoy, who's your starting left back, out at, uh, move him over to right back, but then you're bringing in Scott Maloney to play um, left back. I don't know much about him, but um, the Cardiff fans were seem to be really happy that he left and joined Fulham, although it was basically a trade for a player we wanted to get rid of on our own, so it's kind of a wash. But I'm not really excited about him lining up at left back. So that's going to be kind of the big problem is that just one player is going to cause all sorts of shifting. And I don't know how Fulham are going to, uh, to deal with that. Um, the other issue that we still have is it's from a long time ago. We still haven't really had an effective midfield partnership since Danny Murphy and the original Musa Dembele. And you guys should all realize how long ago that was. Fulham have just been searching and searching for a midfield partnership since then. And they still really don't have a real defensive midfielder on the roster. They have Kevin McDonald, they have Ryan Tunicliffe, Scott Parker, Lassie Viggen Christensen. They're all more box-to-box guys. The one central mid- defensive midfielder they have is a guy named Sakiri Matila, who was injured most of last year and actually joined. he's Finnish and joined out of the Norwegian League. So no one really knows anything about him, and no one's seen him play enough to know if he's actually any good. Um, so that's a big hole, and I'm one that I hope gets addressed sooner rather than later. But I don't think it's going to be addressed in time for um, the game on Friday. 
Yeah, in terms of Newcastle, I think I'm I'm fairly positive going into the season. I, I, there's not many concerns. There's a few minor concerns. My, my my main concerns are mainly about team selection. I think we're not really sure how we're going to play it. I think Benitez likes to play a four-two-three-one, and it'll be interesting to see how he goes about doing that. Especially as Mitrovic is suspended for the first four games of the season after he picked up a stupid red card on the final day. So we're going to probably have to go in with Dwight Gale and it's not really the type of forward that Benitez likes to play with. He likes to play with a target man. And I think that could be perhaps an issue at Fulham because we like to sort of play to the target man, get him to hold on to the board and get on running midfielders. I don't think Gale could do that. So we might find it difficult to sort of keep hold of the possession of the final third, which which again, I'm, I'm, I'd be a little bit concerned about. Uh, other things that I, I'm concerned about, there's not really that much. Again, I mentioned earlier about the uh, the unknowns in the league. I think I, I don't know a lot about some of these clubs and I think where we're coming down as such big favourites, it's just, it's, really is going to play against us uh, sometimes because I think teams that sort of look at Newcastle they want to come to St James's Park and sort of take that sort of scalp and get 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 it on the books and it will that could sort of mean that we we do come come up against teams playing maybe 110% of, of their of their ability and that that, that could be a problem uh, I, j- I just want to briefly touch on managers today because I, d- I don't know a great deal about so- some of the managers in the league. I know I know a lot about Alex Neil, obviously, where, where I was in the ch- uh, Premier League. I'll just start with you, Paul. I-, I know Lee Johnson is sort of a very highly rated manager. Can you just tell us a bit about him and maybe what you do you think he's the right man for the uh, Bristol City job? Uh, personally, yes. I think when he was when he was a player with us, he was very much a Marmite player. I think he was one of these City midfielders who doesn't crunch tackles, didn't score goals. He was short, so he didn't win headers. But, he, you know, for those who see how a team is trying to play football, you saw the job he did in sort of taking the ball off back four and, and moving around the pitch and keeping the ball moving. Um, so I think when he came in, he was a, it was a, little, uh, a little bit split in the fan base. I think what's clear with him, and there was a, an article in The Guardian, actually, I think it was uh, EBS still this morning, um, He's a very modern manager, so he's, he's only 35, um, he's only been managing for three or four years, but he's been all around Europe, he's used his dad's contacts a little bit, he's been to Barcelona, Real Madrid, spent time in Latvia, this article was talking about how he went to, he's been to the SAS and the NHS to go into an, an A&E ward to see how they handle pressure and how they how they become, how they take the emotion out of it and how they you know, make, make sure they're, they're doing what they need to do and I think it's that sort of approach where that's certainly what's impressed the, 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 the clubs he's gone to. You know, certainly Oldham and Barnsley, I know, uh, Oldham in particular, I know were blown away by his interview when he went there. And I think Steve Lansdowne, the owner, knows the Johnson family very well still, didn't really want to sack his dad, Carrie, and, you know, kind of got to a point where he, where he had to. But I think he was always wanting to bring Lee Johnson back to the club and hoping that he can just take us out one step further than Gary managed. But as I said earlier, I mean, the setup now is, is in place in theory. You know, we've, We've knocked down three stands and rebuilt them. We've got a, a big doubles, double sort of cantilever stand. We've got hospitality boxes now, as we never had before. Um, bigger capacity, and we're doing a lot of other things behind, behind the scenes as well. You know, a new director of football from Oxford, a guy called uh, Mark Ashton, who's has a slightly controversial background in places, but you know seems to have been doing a job certainly with transfer window this, this summer. And I, th- I think mainly, you know, it. it could be famous last words, but it certainly feels like we're ready to take that next step up. And it's, uh, at the very least, establish ourselves in the championship. I mean, we've come up three times now in the last 20 years and never survived more than a couple of years. So we, I think that's said earlier, it's got to be our first job. Get established. Make sure we're not struggling. Make sure we're not constantly sacking managers and fighting against the drop every season, which we kind of got in the 
got in a position of last time and just just make sure we're we're there or thereabouts and say well you know you never know them one or two signings here and there one or two good bits of form and 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 things things might turn away but uh, yeah I think he's certainly one of those manager people are looking at I think he talks about himself and Gary Rowett and people about in the same sentence and I think he's He's one of those names people will be looking at and keeping an eye on as an Englishman, just because he is an Englishman and there's, there's not a huge amount of them about still. Um, but, you know, very young, a lot of potential um, and doing lots of exciting stuff off the pitch, which, you know, a lot of fans don't necessarily see and, and notice, but hopefully that can transform itself into form on the pitch. Yeah, I read some comments uh, that he made about uh, playing us in the in the first month of the season. He said that he didn't think Rafa Benitez would know who he was. And I think he's doing himself a bit of a disservice. So I think he's got a, a he's, he's increased his reputation in the game, and I think he's definitely one of one of the managers to watch. Like you say, alongside Gary Rowett, who's done very well at Burton and, and Birmingham. So I'll be keeping a keen eye on uh, Bristol mm-hmm. City this season. And hopefully, see see them do very well under him. And uh, Ben, just moving on to Alex Neil now. You talked a bit about him earlier, so we don't really all over that again. But I just what what to know your thoughts on do you think that there's a possibility of him maybe having um oh wait a sec i'll completely go over that again that was awful yeah just moving on to you now ben um in terms of do you think that there's a possibility of him being sacked uh if if he has a bad start because obviously the relegation does loom over over a manager once you've been relegated it is important to get that quick start so do you think there's going to be any pressure on him early on or do you think that that all the board and the fan base are behind him but I think the fan base have got back behind him over the summer. Um, I think he started so positive. That was the that was the thing with Norwich fans. And since we lost to Newcastle and got a thump in there by yourselves, uh, his attitude towards the game seemed to change a little bit. And we went from a free-flowing attack and football to uh, quite negative at times. Um, where it was a bit depressing for a Norwich fan to go from that attack and football to the negativity after sort of one defeat. It almost seemed that obvious, but um, in the in the championship, he's proved his worth, and I don't think he's under any pressure initially. But then we have a new CEO in in, in Jez Moxley, so you, you never know. Norwich are up in the air with regards to that because a, a new CEO could come in wanting an instant um, results, and if we go the first ten games and we're at the wrong end of the table, you never 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 know what a new CEO could uh, could want. Yeah, so Adrian, we'll just move on to you now. What are your thoughts on, on, on your manager at the moment? Do you think that, because um, I watched a lot of you towards the end of the season, it's sort of very good attacking football, but there's sort of a lot, a lot, a lot of goals going in at the other end. Do you think it's going to be more of the same, or do you think it's going to be a slightly different brand of football this season? Um, I think it's going to be a little bit different. Um, he doesn't have a, a high bar to clear, as Martin Yole had kind of given up by the end. Felix McGath was a crazy person, and Kit Simons was just in over his head. So as long as he's better than all of those guys... Um, it's going to be a breath of fresh air. But his his big problem was that the team that we had last year just made no sense. The only way to um, that you could make it make sense was playing five at the back, which um, they weren't really that well equipped for because they didn't have enough center backs. So he was just kind of throwing darts trying to make that lineup work. And he made it work well enough so we didn't get relegated. But this preseason, he's kind of run a 4-2-3-1 pretty much all the time, which is one of the reasons I think McCormick might be on his way out because he just doesn't really fit in that formation as well. Um, And it seems like he's um, kind of made the defense work so far. We haven't really given up any goals in the preseason game other than, you know, some, some fluky ones. Uh, We had, we've had more clean sheets 
in the preseason them. I think we did all of last season in in the league, which is saying a lot about last season. Um, so people are really excited about him, and I'm still kind of shocked that Fulham were able to get him. I mean, he brought he got Watford promoted. He went to Maccabee Tel Aviv, and he got them into the um, group stage of the cha- Champions League for the first time in a decade, I think. And then he, he made it to Fulham. So he seems like he's um, a pretty good coach, and most of the Fulham fans are really excited to have him. And one of the most exciting things about him is he's very, very free with his words. When he's mad, he says that he's mad. He the, A lot of the old managers would say we'd have a performance that was bad, and they'd say, oh, well, we got unlucky, and if this had happened and this had happened, the result could have been different. When the team plays bad with Jokanovic, he comes out and says they played bad, and there, there's going to be consequences for some of these guys. Um, he's really um, likes to kind of stick it to management in press conferences, saying that if they don't get me three or four new players, we're not going to be good enough this year. And that's something that uh, previous managers never would have done, and the fans actually really, really enjoy that. I'll just, I'll just talk about a bit about Benitez now. Obviously, I'm going to be very happy to have him. He's a world-class manager. I was surprised he say, uh, stayed last season. He, he, he sort of did did have a massive effect on us. We we played very well in those last 10 games. and We were unbeaten in our last six. And uh, on the final day, we really did destroy Spurs. It was, it was one of the best performances I've seen. And maybe that was because the pressure had gone where we'd already been relegated. But it was sort of a sign of things that could uh, that were to come under Benitez. He's done a lot of work over the club in the subways. Um Started up youth tournaments. He's got the community more involved club. Uh, the club feel a lot more approachable on social media and, and the things that they do in the community. And that, that's really nice to see. And I think that's, a lot of that is down to Benitez. He sort of got the fan base to believe in the club again, which I think is important. And although that there's some criticism of him maybe in the media, they're saying that he hasn't had experience in a championship and maybe he's going to struggle. I, I don't buy into that too much. I think if, you, if you're as good a manager as he is, you can sort of adapt to any situation you're in. He had experience in the Spanish second tier, which although it's not as competitive as the championship, it, it, it will give him some, some experience in that. And I think he's looking at the bigger picture uh, and that's really exciting. I think over the next three or four years, we, we could become a very good Premier League club again. It's just, just very important that this season we do go up, but I, I have faith in him to do that. I think if he if he doesn't get us back up, I don't know who will. He's, We've had Steve McLaren, we've had Alan Pardew, they were both awful managers, I'm not a fan of either. And when we got Benitez, just the fans are back on the side of the club, which in, in the recent past, it hasn't been the case. And I think Mike Ashley has made a very good decision because it's sort of taken a lot of the attention off him because... Uh, Everyone's sort of ignoring what he's done because he's now got a world-class manager in, so that's really, really positive for us. Um, I'd just like to ask you all about a, a young player at your club that you think could uh, could break through the season because we've seen in the past that the Championship can you know, provide a lot of young players that go on to play in the Premier League. So I'd just start with you, boys. Are there any exciting young young players at uh, Bristol City? Uh, yeah, well, I think it's quite a, we've got quite a good crop at under-19, under-18 level. Um, four or five made made their way onto bench at the end of last season, partly because we had a, a small squad. And I hope they get given a chance again this year. I think there's, there's every indication that part of Lee Johnson's mantra is to use the academy. We've, we've invested a lot of money in our academy for a League One stroke championship club in the last 10 years and not, not had a fantastic return at all from it. I think mean, a couple of players briefly. I mean, one is Bobby Reid, who's been at a club for... Well, probably about 10 years now. He's now 23 and really it's a big season for him, I think, in terms of can he actually break through into that first team spot. He's a very talented footballer, 
bit on the small side, bit on the light side, tends to be missing in games that are a bit tough and when he's not quite in, in, in form. And for the first time, really, the second half of last season, started to show he might be able to force his way into a starting spot or, you know, very much, very, very least a, a regular squad spot and not need to go out on loan again. So, got certainly hopes for him. I think the exciting one for us really is Callum O'Dowder, who we signed from Oxford for, I think it's around about a million pound up front, up to 1.6 in, in total, depending on uh, add-ons, etc. I know the guys at Oxford are very excited by him and very disappointed to see him go. Um, but I, I know someone at the club and they were talking about him in better terms than, than Kumar Roof, who obviously stole a lot of the headlines last year and scored a lot of the goals, but they reckon he's a, a better footballer than him all, all, all round. So, Really hopeful for him, and you know, if he can come in and make an instant impact, it could be uh, to negate some of the things I talked about earlier, some of that excitement and the pace up front, and trying to trying to get some of the goals. I think just to come back to Jake on Rafa Benitez, I think that view on can he manage at a championship level? For me, that's a bit of a red herring. If you're managing Newcastle and have got a budget and a, you can sign a quality of player that he can still sign, because it it won't be a million miles away from the sort of quality player he's had before. I think. If you suddenly stick Rafa in with great respect to them to, to Rotherham or, or Burton and have to manage on a small budget and, and with players who maybe aren't up to that standard, I think that's possibly a different question, a different challenge, and it might might not quite work out in the, the way they'd hope. I, I I must admit, looking from the outside in, I, I don't think he'll have any problems there, and I think he'll be able to sign quality players who will do a job for you and, and, and get you back up at the first attempt. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, do, I don't think he would have taken over at Burton this summer, so I think it was... Uh a big reason for him saying is because obviously we're going to go into the season's favourites and that, and he just believes we're going to get back into Premier League where he ultimately wants to manage. Uh, ben, in terms of young players, do you, what is happening at Norwich at the moment? Because I know you signed James Madison, you've got the, the Murphy brothers there. They're all exciting talents. Is, is there anybody else that are coming through the youth ranks at Norwich? Uh, there was a few players uh, given a bit of pre-season time with the first team. Um Played a bit, of, played a bit of football. There's a quite an exciting forward called Todd Cantwell, um, come through the ranks. Who apparently Arsenal were interested in in January, but they Norwich um, got him tied down on another three-year contract, I believe. But I can't see him breaking in because of the importance of the season. I think because of his age, I just can't see him breaking into the first team. I mean, they've signed young players and the likes of Canos and Madison. Um, in similar sort of roles to where he plays. So it suggests that he's probably not quite ready to get into the first team yet and he's a little bit on the young side. I think probably Josh Murphy, the one player Norwich fans are looking to this year to break into the first team. Had a good pre-season, went out to Milton Keynes Dons last year, played a full season for them for 40-odd games for them, scored five goals from the wing and he was voted the Milton Keynes Players' Player of the Year, which was quite an accolade because he only turned 21 in February, I believe. Um and pre-season, he's looked on fire. So I think him and Canos will be fighting for the uh, right-wing spot this season. And he's a pretty tidy player too. Uh, done well on Coven- uh, Coventry last year and had a good pre-season too of us. So I think the Murphy twins are probably the two that Norwich fans are excited about because we've watched them come through the ranks for quite a few years now. And it's finally looking like the year that they might be breaking into the first team. So, yeah, I'd say them two are definitely the ones to watch from us. Andrew, for, for Fulham, I think the last few uh, seasons they've had a lot of young players coming through. You start with Patrick Roberts, Emerson Hyndman, uh, Moussa Dembele. Do you think is there anybody else coming through at Fulham? Is that sort of progression of young players still coming through, is, or have all the you know the best young players gone and it's sort of 
Um, no, there's still a lot of a lot of good talent in their academy and in their you know under 23s and under 18s. Something a lot not a lot of people know is that we basically hired the entire Southampton academy staff about four or five years ago. So that that is kind of when the the academy kind of started to turn around and we started to get all these good young players in. I don't know if he still counts as young because he's 21, but Collie Woodrow I think is poised to have a pretty big year. Um, he was supposed to be split time with Musa Dembele last year, but he ended up being hurt most of the season and only played a little over 400 minutes. But he was able to score a goal, about one goal every 100 minutes, so I think he could have a big year. Um, going back a little bit younger, um, there's a player that a lot of Americans are excited about because he continues the Americans at Fulham trend. But it's a kid, uh, Luca De La Torre, who just turned 18 in May. He's kind of an attacking midfielder, withdrawn forward kind of uh, player. I don't know how much he'll play this year, but um, he's he's looked really good for the youth teams. And he's looked really good uh, for the U.S. international youth teams. But the big player that everyone's really, really excited about is uh, his name is Ryan Sessegnon. Um, I probably butchered that pronunciation, but he's a left back kind of left midfield kind of guy. He gets a lot of comparisons to um, Gareth Bale. He's already played a lot at left back for the uh, first team in the preseason. And he, I mean, he just turned 16 in May. So he's very, very young. I don't know um, how much he'll play this year, if at all, but there he's already been linked to transfers to, um, Liverpool and Arsenal in the last window. So um, I'd, I'd kind of like to see him get a little bit of playing time and maybe we can hold on to him for a little bit longer than we did with a lot of our other recent youth players. Yeah, I had seen his name mentioned quite a lot. I didn't realize he was 16, though. That is incredibly young. So if he does get some first-team action this season, that'll be very interesting to watch. Uh, for Newcastle, we've got a few young players. Uh, the last time we came down to the championship at allowed a lot of young players to come through. Uh, Andy Carroll was a massive example. He, he went on uh, to get a 35 million transfer off of it. So we're hoping that there's a few players that could have a similar impact uh, this season. The the main one, I think, is Adam Armstrong. He played for Coventry last season on loan. He got 20 goals in League One. He looked very good at that level, was one of the better players in the league. So the next logical step is to try and get some first-team action in the championship. I think I read some of the uh, 18 teams in the league wanted to sign him on loan, uh, who have inquired about him at some stage over the summer, which is just incredible. And it sort of shows how talented he is and how well, how many clubs know about him. And it will be interesting to see what happens for him because he's not a good starter. But at the same time, I don't think the club want to loan him out to another championship club. So I, I think he'll stay around and maybe get some alternate. Uh, he'll alternate with uh, a Jose Perez. And it'll be interesting to see how he does when he does get first team action. Because I think. In, in the, he's a player that could go on to play for England in the next three or four years if he continues to develop as he is. Outside of Armstrong, we've got Rolando Aarons, who has been around for quite a long time. I think he, he's now 21, and he, he needs to start getting first-team minutes. He's been injured quite a lot in the past, and he he looks good every time he does play, but it's just injuries have hampered his progress. So I think a drop down to the championship will hopefully do him a lot of favours in terms of his development. And we have a young fullback, Jamie Sterry, who uh, has played quite a lot in preseason. And I think he's going to be a, a good backup for us as well. And I, I think young players are important in the championship because there's 46 games and, uh, you know, you have to alternate. You've scored quite a lot. 
we'll just move on just finally before before we finish today, I just want to preview each of the matches going on this weekend because obviously the championship does kick off a week before the Premier League so it's the return of football we'll start with you Paul what are your thoughts on uh, Bristol City versus Wigan Athletic yeah well I think intriguing first game you know a team we didn't play last year obviously um, come up Gary Cole was in a fantastic job there Looked to make some solid signings over the summer. I think Nick Powell's was a standout one, really. Um, you know, I think he was pretty much set for a transfer to Wolves, and Wigan seemed to just nip in there at the last moment and take him up there. I think Jake Buxton, for me, you know, you talked about solid championship performers earlier. I think, you know, for someone who's been around for a couple of years at that level and from Derby, I think it's a good good signing for them. And Alex Gilby as well. We, we looked at him in January from Colchester, a very tidy midfielder. And we, we actually had a bid rejected for him in January, so hopefully that doesn't come back to haunt us when uh, when he turns up on uh, on the opening day. I and mean, obviously what we've got to look forward to on the opening day is the is Will Grigg coming to Ashton Gate, so maybe he might get a few more minutes at, at our ground than he did in France in the summer on the pitch. I think it's a really interesting August for us because we've got promoted Wigan at home on the first day. We're, we're then travelling to Burton's first home game the week after, and we follow up that with Newcastle and Villa at home in all, right through August, so Four, four teams we didn't play last year and I think you know the the confidence and the, the, the little burst that you often get as a promoted team we might find with Wigan and, and Burton and the, the the two big guns I guess in Newcastle and Villa yeah, very interesting to see where we end August and whether we have a clear review on where we're actually going to end up the season having played those four teams Yeah, do, what do you think the uh, result will be at the weekend? Do, do you want to hazard a prediction? Oh, we're, we're pretty good at draws on the opening day so I'm going to go one yeah, um, we'll move on to you now, Ben. Uh, you're travelling to Blackburn Rovers, who've made a lot of uh, moves over the summer in, in terms of playing staff, and they've got a new manager in Owen Coyle. What are your thoughts on that game, and what do you think is going to happen? Uh, Owen's never your first game. <laughs> I can't remember a first game win for several years, so um, I'd be uh, very surprised if we can get more than a draw from the first game. But um, yeah, a lot of things have changed at Blackburn over the summer. Uh, former Norwich man, uh, Paul Lambert's departed, and uh, there's been plenty of staff changes there in the personnel. Players like Danny Graham going in um, into the strike force. I'd probably take a draw on the first day, to be honest, away from home. Although hopefully we'll have quite a settled squad because yes, it's not going to be too changed from last season. Um, it's, a, it's a new challenge, isn't it? It's uh, People are going to come come against Norwich, the likes of Norwich and Newcastle, Villa, teams that come down, and they're going to be uh, giving it 110. percent And if we can come away from Blackburn with a draw, uh, hopefully a low-scoring draw, so we don't all get nervous about the back four again, um, I'll be quite happy. Yeah, and finally, I just want to preview of Fulham versus Newcastle, where we we have representatives from both teams here. So I'll let you go first, Andrew. What what are your thoughts ahead of this one? What are your expectations for the game? Well, I like having um, one of the hardest fixtures you're going to have all year, presumably, come right away. That way, if you lose, it doesn't quite get you as down as losing a game that you think you should win right at the beginning. But um, I, th- I think this is going to be very interesting because... Fulham might be only starting one or two players that were really played at all last year. So that's combine that with no one really knows how Slavisa is going to play because he didn't play his own system at all last year. That kind of makes Fulham a pretty hard team to prepare for. Um, whereas I think Newcastle, they're bringing back 
quite a lot of the same players they had last year. Rafa Benitez that was there at the end of last year. I think um, they kind of know what they're going to expect. Um, saying all that, if can get through this game and just not fall apart defensively, um, go out and have a good defensive, get a clean sheet, or even only give up you know a goal, I think that will do a lot to um, get fans excited for the year. If Fulham were to go out and just give up three or four goals – everyone's just going to fall back into that depressing feeling that they've had the last few years and just think that this is going to be a really long season. Yeah, I, I'm always negative about going away to Fulham because it's one of the games that I do often go to. I'll be I'll be at the game on Friday and we do often lose the game. I think um, last time in the Premier League, I think we lost 1-0 uh, in the season. You got relegated. I think the year before that, I think you beat us 4-1 or, or 5-1. It was, it was quite a big beat and I think, you know, those results do are quite raw to me at the moment. I think when I think about the game, I think it, it could be a similar sort of uh, game, and I, I, I just I just don't look forward to going to Fulham away. So I, I'm a little bit worried about it. But saying that, I think if we are going to try and win the league title, I think we need to start with a win. I, I think we we've got a fit squad. We've had a good preseason, and I think you know we do have maybe a step up of quality that, that what Fulham have where we've only just come down and we've added a lot of quality this summer and sort of Matt Ritchie and Dwight Gale who are Premier League players and I, I, I think that it will be interesting to see where both teams are. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it end in a draw. I, I, maybe like a one-all draw just, just because it's the first game and uh, draws are very common in the first game. Uh, what, what do you think the uh, result will be? Do you think um, a draw is a fair reflection? That that would probably be what I would guess. It'd be a a one one draw. Would probably be um, about where I'd put this. I think Slovisa is going to um, concentrate on making sure the defense doesn't concede more than anything. There's a very good chance he um, plays a the natural center back at one of the left back positions and doesn't attack quite as much as he normally would. So I think he's going to be trying to play for a clean sheet or even even a draw and hopefully he's going to play to kind of hope to win one nothing and I think a 1-1 result is probably what's going to end up happening. Yeah, and as you say it's pretty predictable how Newcastle will line up. We do play with a 4-2-3-1 formation. We like to have two two midfielders screening the back four and we like to sort of keep things tight. So I think it is going to be a tight game. I don't think there's going to be lots of goals. I think if either team wins it's just going to be the one goal. So it will be definitely be an interesting one. I think it's a good game to kick off the season as well. But uh, with that, we're now out of time for this week. Thanks so much for coming on today, guys. If you'd just like to tell people where they can reach you or any projects you're involved in, now would be a good time. Um, Paul Binning, The Exiled Robin, at The Exiled Robin on Twitter. Hey, um, you can find me on Norwich City blog or The Yellow Pages, Y-E-L-L-A, and I've got an interview on there this week, probably airing tomorrow with Norwich Centre-Back Tim Closer. Yeah, and you can find me at uh, cottagersconfidential.com. Um, the Twitter for that account is cottagersc. And if you want to follow my tweets, which are not about so much soccer, it's uh, at arbeck. Yeah, and for my stuff, you can get my uh, writings on EPL Index, uh, Newcastle 360, and Total Dutch Football. And you can listen to our other shows. Uh, we have a Premier League podcast, the EPL Roundtable, which uh, I think is going to be the first edition of that tonight after a promotion special last week. So that definitely give that a listen. And there's a fran- fantasy Premier League podcast, so definitely give that a listen. But yeah, thanks so much for listening today, guys. And I hope you join in again soon.